And from America's left cloak, the Abdul's good. Yeah, Welcome to episode number 43 of Grumpy Old Benz. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of Middle America, just outside of Chirac, where it's 2020 and Sir Bemrose is going to a better place. And from America's left coast, where it's not the destination, it's the journey that I'm going to complain about. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Well, you complain about everything, but uh, I'm not planning on complaining about the destination. Well, you're on the left coast already, and you want to go lefter. I want I mean, to go far, yes. left. I'm going to go somewhere the left farther coast left. except water. Well, there's a, a small leftist state, uh, really far out in the ocean, that I'm going to visit. Um, see, a few years ago, my dad passed away, and then my mom moved to a better place. And if uh, if you're a longtime listener of Grumpy Old Ben's, you know that I make that joke all the damn time. It's because she moved to Hawaii, and while I'm jealous. Uh, I still live on the continental U.S. The real benefit to it is that I get to go visit. And in Kona, the home of the best coffee in the world, I hear. Um, I've heard that. Uh, I'm, I'm not so much of a coffee snob that I can necessarily tell the difference between an Ethiopian and a Kona, and, but I do know that it's good. Really? You can't tell? I mean, you're from the no, Seattle area. You should, it should be like a fine wine. You should be able to take it. You should be able to take the bean. You should well, be able can, to smell but it. I didn't want to come across as a total snob. <laughs> Why? Why would today be any different than any other show? So, yes, uh, I am flying out in a couple of hours to head to Hawaii for two weeks. Um, the, the choice of destination is pretty easy when there's a place that I live that my mother lives over there that I can just, you know, no hotel charge. However, uh, being in Hawaii is not something uh, that I'm here to complain about because I'm going to enjoy myself thoroughly. And you guys are not listening to grumpy old Ben's to hear me about me enjoying myself. And frankly, I don't really feel like coming back and talking about being there at all. However, there is a process that involves getting there that kind of became the topic of today's show. I thought that- it would be a great time to talk about air travel because there's a lot involved with the the tech sphere with all of the getting tickets, pricing, the whole process of going through the TSA and whether that really makes you safer and not paying for bags. And a lot of people are always looking. There are so many sites out there for people that think you can hack all of this stuff and find better deals. And I mean, really, the only person I've ever seen that did a great hack was the uh, was the one that put like all of their clothes on to walk through the TSA checkpoint and then, <laughs> and then put it back in the bag, you know, I were, so that way it's like, well, no, your bag, didn't wait too much. It's fine. Uh, yeah. But otherwise, yeah. Traveling's a bitch. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and the, yeah, there's, there's so many things about it that are unpleasant. Uh, you know, not, not least being crammed into, a a seat for six hours that might be perfectly fine for a 75 pound four foot one person. Um, but for somebody my size, and I can't even imagine somebody your size, which is a whole order of magnitude taller, uh, how 
how you even fit into something like that. Well, let me ask you this, because this was one of the questions I had after this topic arose. And I know you and I are Um, both blitzed. No, (laughs) no, 16 hours in a plane. No, I don't think anybody wants to try that. I'm Uh, I'm not going to try 16. I'm sorry. (laughs) You have to just stop in the middle of an ocean somewhere. That would be much better. But I know both you and I. Hello to everybody in the troll room, noagendastream.com. We do these shows live on Fridays at 11 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Femrose time. So come along, troll along. It's a lot of fun. People hang out and, and tell us why we're wrong. And next week, there'll be a whole show about why Ryan is wrong, but I'm doubting it'll be on Friday. So watch. I'm doubting it'll be much of a show, to be honest. And the Mastodons uh, for, for information on that. But both you and I are very much against government regulations in nearly every aspect of life and airlines i think may be one of the exceptions for me i think it may be time for somebody to step in wait whoa whoa whoa, whoa. hold on let me let me start with i'm gonna let you make your argument i'm I'm gonna let you finish i'll go kanye and you um but are you presuming that the airlines aren't one of the most heavily government regulated industries already they are to a certain extent, but obviously when it comes to how many seats they're fitting in these airplanes, that uh, that's one thing they haven't done. And I know people have suggested. Oh, so what you're saying is that we have a total lack of competition based on uh, government overreach and you think that the solution is more government. Okay, I, I can follow this <laughs> no, argument. Now. Go on. But it comes down to this. If every airline can eke out every last inch and make everybody as uncomfortable as possible. And that's the way they can make more money, which seems to be the case. And I get it. The more bodies you can fit into an airplane, the more money you can make on that particular flight. I mean, there's a whole lot of economics involved with it because you can go the other route and say, well, if we decrease the seating by 20%, we can raise the ticket prices. And that is, that's a valid thing. There's no doubt about that. Well, the, the, the economic argument is actually a lot more powerful and, and far be it from me to argue that any problem is not necessarily caused by government. However, um, my, my statement earlier that there's no competition, um, ultimately the, one of the biggest problems and one of the things that has led to airlines nickel and diming us forever is the websites that you bring up where they will aggregate fares from two dozen different airlines. And the one that is three cents cheaper is the one who's going to get all of the passengers. Right. And it has driven the airlines to compete uh, in, uh, you know, what, how, how does uh, Dvorak say it? It says in the, you know, the Chinese best price, best price where nothing else matters. Quality doesn't matter. Uh, only price matters. And that is in fact a, a real problem that, uh, we're seeing in the airlines is best price, best price, and everything else is falling by the wayside. It is, and there are ways to get larger seats, but the cost of going business class or going first class is way, way, way above coach. And oh, yeah. it's, and it's a, it's a, I, the way I look at it as being somebody the, that you, is. You mean, you mean the seats that I refer to as dignity class? Yeah. And as somebody that's six foot six that I haven't flown in a few years, and it gets to the point to where the normal seats, my knees are well up pushing against, 
the seat in front of me. If I don't get an exit row, you know, the front row or one of these rows with a little bit more leg room, there's no question about it. My knees are in the seat in front of me. And that is actually a health issue when it comes down to being on a flight, you know, longer than an hour or so with the, you know, deep vein thrombosis and all that kind of stuff. So it's really the way I would look at it is the airlines as an industry are really really, really not serving the taller than average person in a way that is, that is healthy. I mean, if you want to talk about, you know, somebody being a, you know, classist or racist, well, this is definitely a tallest when it comes to the airlines, because these planes are not built for anybody. Like you said, over about five foot five, somebody alert the social justice crowd. There's, there's rampant tallism going on. There is. And there's no, this is like one of the only places that I can think of that you could discriminate against a class of people. Nobody is up in arms about this. Right. And there are you, some very. You, check your skin color up for a moment, then go on with that statement. But there, but there's a lot. If you not watch the NBA, there are a lot of tall black dudes. Yeah. So, I, you know, I don't think this has anything to do with height is not a skin color issue. I mean, of yeah. course. I'm taller than the average white guy and I'm way taller than the average Irish guy. You take and pick the tallest people you can find anywhere and point a camera at them. Sure. You're going to get an example of tall people, but the average dark skinned person is not any taller than the average light skinned person. Not in any real way. I was just pointing out. You said that, you know, height is one of the few ways that you can be legally discriminated against. And I only wanted to point out that also being white is one way that you can totally be discriminated against and are, you know, you're right. I hate, but I didn't I hate admitting that, but I didn't mean to bring racism into this. But I mean, it happens. Easy, I didn't mean to, I didn't have to <laughs> comes into everything. Um, there would be an easy way for airlines to be able to handle this. And that would actually be to have some to seats pro- with provide more leg actual room. human life support for people that are taller. I mean, it's, it's just something that's very, I mean, there's always been the jokes going on that they're going to start charging people per pound. And they're going to put you on a scale before you get on an airplane. And we all remember, I think because well, they only have a few years that. ago. The, the, if, you know, if, the if your ass Smith, is too, too, fat if your to ass is too wide to fit into a seat now, They'll charge you for another seat and they don't even care. They're like, yep, dignity. Fuck you. But there are ways to deal with all of these things. And it would be a very and, simple and just, thing. Just to be clear, I'm not, just I'm not talking f- morbidly obese people. I'm talking about anybody whose hips are wider than my fucking keyboard. <laughs> Which is, yeah, I mean, it's getting down to what it's like. The seats are some are down to like 17 inches. Yeah, I think. So, yeah, so, I mean, I think that's, you know, so take a take a tape measure out, see 17 inches, ask who could really fit in this without. Yeah, who uh, was the last person who was able to fit into a 17 inch jeans without? <laughs> well, maybe if when you were like eight, that would be yeah. that would be about right. Well, for but, me, maybe four. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm big boned. <laughs> you know, all they would have to do is provide a few extra seats on the plane for people that are taller. I mean, maybe you're going to get. You're not going to be able to sit with your wife, your husband, your family, whoever you're traveling with. But if there are a few seats that are on the plane that are available that go first come, first serve, you know, the people that are taller, you could start to at least uh, help with this issue. And the airlines just don't do that. They don't want to do it because, again, legally, they can force you into whatever small seat they can. So. 
out here um, for for a very long time. I, I used to. I live in uh, a county called Snohomish County, which is north of Seattle. Um, but Seattle is in uh, a county called King County, and the two counties have different regulations uh, with regards to the allowable width of a parking space. Uh, I believe King County rec- allows your parking space to be as narrow as six foot six. And Snohomish County requires your parking space be at least seven foot four, I think, or something, something, some numbers about like that. Um, the funny thing is I don't drive like a giant pickup or anything. It's a sedan, but it's a full size American sedan. So it's not small. Um, when I am pulling into a parking space in King County, every single one of them is precisely six foot six wide. And that means that I Basically, if I go into a general parking lot anywhere in that county, my doors will be dinged because you have about seven inches to open the door, crawl out of your car and get back and forth because, you know, and it's all over if a pickup truck parks next to you or something. And I always hated parking anywhere near where I worked or anywhere in that county for the precise reason that the regulations, they don't say parking spaces must be exactly six foot six what they say is the parking spaces must be at least six foot six you are allowed to make your parking space wider but everybody who draws up a parking lot also has to worry about we need to get as many parking spaces in as possible and we have regulations that require us to have you know so much landscaping and planting oh and also in order to maximize our return on investment we need to make the building as big as possible so when they put down the land it is pretty much a guarantee that the parking spaces are going to be at exactly the legal minimum why did i bring that up well same argument about plane seats it is except the parking lots aren't always full and uh and people do in parking lots park over those damn lines i mean that's the other funny part about it when you said at, at six foot six, there are vehicles out there that are going to be too wide. So what do they do when you have one of these big old pickup trucks with the, you know, the double wheels and back and that they just aren't going to fit in that space? Then can they not legally park in that parking lot or, or what? Well, uh, in theory, if they're over the lane line, they can be towed in practice. They, that doesn't usually happen. And uh, in practice, half the time, what you really end up with is uh, somebody will park with a wheel on both lines if they're wide enough then again um you know it's not the pickups that really screw with the parking laws it's usually the bmws those are the ones where somebody will just park diagonally right across the line so they take up two spots because that way there's no chance of their car getting dinged or keyed accidentally because well, it's no, dinged, probably maybe not, not probably not gonna keyed be an ex- accident keyed ex- yeah it's right keying is rarely accidental you know, you never know, uh, but if you have your keys in yeah. your hand and you're, it's a very tight spot, you could fall and things can happen and it would be bad, but this is, you're absolutely right. When you come down with these, with these regulations that say you have a minimum of, this is where the airlines, this is where, you know, the parking spots, same thing, except it's much easier to take up two spaces in a parking lot than it is to try to take up two spaces in a plane because overall, well, the last because few they, times they I've shovel flown, people on with a wheelbarrow. <laughs> right. Well, the last few times that I've flown, it's like there haven't been many empty seats on the plane. And that leads to, of course, overcrowding, which, of course, leads to all of the issues 
that we're dealing with. And like, again, I hate government regulation, but I would like to see something that forced carriers that are going to operate out of the United States to force them to give you a little bit more room. And I understand the economics of it is why this causes the problem because airlines just figure that, uh, you know, the few tall people, although I don't know, people are bigger. I mean, de- people are definitely getting wider. And I think people are also getting taller, Is at least if my nephews are anything, uh, you know, to, to go by. It's like people sure. seem to be getting taller as well. That's a side effect of the fact that humans are, for the most part, healthier than they have ever been in human history. And we're not subjecting our kids to all of the things that stunt their growth, like, uh, you know, massive infections or uh, childhood diseases that we used to have. And so kid, and then we're also, uh, you know, using artificial hormones in our food to stave off or, or extend uh, your puberty. So yeah, yeah. People are definitely getting taller. Net Ned's suggestion for me in the troll room is to get shorter. I mean, eventually that happens to uh, everybody. You'll, you'll lose it, but not legs. I don't think they are. I, 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 I've got a hacksaw that'll do the job. <laughs> you could uh, just take a few inches off. It'll be great. It'll give you a lot well, you more room. Have, have you heard the stories about people in China who uh, have the opposite problem and will actually get a surgery where a surgeon will go in and break their legs at the shin and insert, you know, like if, if you have a really bad leg break, then sometimes they need to put a, a titanium rod or something inside your leg just to hold everything in place. Cause your leg isn't doing it anymore. Well, right. they'll do that, but they'll put in a titanium rod with an extender with the effect that it will give you like an extra inch and a half or two inches of height when it heals. Nice. We can do anything with medical science. So why can't we make airline seats more roomy? Why can't we get, I mean, it just comes down to what they're allowed to do. And why, I really, the question for me, I guess, is how come the airlines have never been sued by a bunch of tall people? Because is it just the fact that it's not a right to be able well, to fly? So if you, if you don't all, come I, into I would these be parameters, they, they haven't. like, but I haven't seen anything. At least nobody's been successful because it seems things have gotten worse over the last decade or so with airlines they have i mean it's funny when you look at pictures of early air travel how the aisle in the middle is so wide and they're just people you could walk like when's the last time you've been on an airplane that if somebody's coming one way down the aisle and somebody's coming the other way that they could actually pass each other without sitting in somebody's lap it doesn't Uh, happen i don't know if i've ever it's i mean probably not since the time when i was a, a small child who could pass anybody or crawl underneath the seats. And also people were smoking on the planes, <laughs> which helped stunt your growth, which was great yes, for the does. airline industry. <laughs> yes. Actually, you know what? I should thank my parents for smoking in the house when I was a child, because it's probably the main reason why I'm not six foot six. Yeah. Could probably saved you a few inches. So, I mean, thank them. Go ahead. Thank mom. When you see her, in, yes, I, I, uh, in I will let her know. Be like, Hey mom, thanks for smoking at me all my whole life. Now she lives in the land of wonder with the fresh air and the ocean breeze. Yeah, it'll, and, it, it, fresh air is, is relative. It depends on what the volcano is doing. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's uh, well, no, the, what I mean is downsides. W- what I mean, is, you know, the, the volcano is actually erupting and shitting lava out into the world only, you know, once a decade or so. But 
the the gaseous vents are open all the time and the prevailing winds kind of blow from like the the prevailing winds in that area blow in such a direction that uh it goes from the volcano across the island and then out toward the other islands although it's usually not a big deal once you get as far as the other islands but yeah so if the volcano is venting noxious gases um then they have uh what what she called i guess the people in hawaii will call a vog which is a volcanic fog and it's it's like a really hazy day that you would get over over any big city that has a lot of pollution um but the haze is mostly fun stuff like sulfuric acid and and brimstone and and the kind of things that you probably don't want in your lungs but you're getting them anyway and you know that would seem to be worse for the climate change than the actual airplanes that we're talking about so how come people just can't stop those volcanoes i mean they are well, really I'm, bad I'm sure for the that climate. somebody is planning on drawing up government regulations to prevent volcanoes from doing that. <laughs> and Good and luck yes, with that. If, if you're looking at the kind of chemicals that do things like fuck up ecosystems, uh, look no farther than what comes out of any given volcano. <laughs> you're going to get you're going to get all sorts of fun stuff, not to mention that sulfur is not the best smelling chemical. So is it just that's just the planet trying to commit suicide i guess because we're, i mean we have to do everything well, no to save no, the planet and and the planet is putting out or the, the planet's just trying to kill us is what it is uh, no the what what it actually is is you know the when the planet was formed all of the chemicals kind of you know got together in a big stew but some of them life doesn't like so for the most part you know most like there are plants that will consume up and suck the sulfuric acid and, and some of the terrible things out of the atmosphere and also carbon um, in case you're looking for, you know, what's the worst pollution ever. It's one that is in every human body. Um, but uh, things like carbon and a lot of other terrible chemicals tend to uh, get absorbed out of the atmosphere, usually by plants. And then over a really long period of time, uh, plate tectonics, at the edge, everywhere that a plate is going underneath another plate, everything that hit, you know, everything that fell into the ocean, fell on the ocean floor, sits there on the ocean floor until it ultimately gets subsumed underneath and pulled down into the earth. And that's that's where, like, you know, something like, you know, ninety nine point nine 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 the vast, vast majority of all the carbon on Earth is in the mantle and crust of the earth that's underground. So after the earth is finished eating all of these fun chemicals at the tectonic plate subjection boundaries, well, what do you do after you eat a huge meal? You have to fart. That's what Hawaii is. <laughs> is that, is that on their tourism posters and stuff? It I mean, should be. That's, that's a great, uh, so yes, a great new the, slogan for them. The, the Hawaii hot spot is basically a tectonic anus there's a there's a couple of places around the world that are like that where you're you're not at a plate boundary or anything but you just got you know what there's there's shit bubbling out from the ground and one of them is in the middle of the pacific ocean and it has created an entire chain of islands um which is actually fascinating in itself and is one of those things that's taken as proof that the plates are moving around because if you look, you know, Hawaii, Hawaiian islands are all kind of in a row and right. there's there's, a you know, another 300 
underwater mountains that if you keep following that and look at uh, it, it just goes on all the way across to uh, uh, to Siberia to um, you know northeast Russia um, and if you follow that then what you realize is is the thing that is generating volcanoes is kind of sitting still on the earth underneath but the Pacific plate is moving across the top of it so every few million years the the location where it's bubbling up kind of ends up in a different place on the plate and you form a new island and then you fly there to spend your leisure yes, time that's what i do <laughs> so how is it, okay do you have in the bemrose world if you could do anything how would you fix the problem of the small airline seats for the tall people is what would you do well so a few years ago, I needed to go uh, visit some friends. They were in uh, Salt Lake City for a wedding. Salt Lake City is, I don't know, 800 miles from here. And uh, it, it was going to be just a weekend trip. And they even offered, they're like, hey, I can try to find you a plane trip ticket or something. And I kind of looked at this and I'm like, no, fuck flying. I hate flying so much. So we got in the car and we drove 14 hours each way to get. Did you have a stroke? No, um, I, I may have a wife issue, but we'll find out. Um, <laughs> just one, just oh, one. No, no. She just, she came in with a scowl on her face. Like she needed something. Um, anyways. So yeah, uh, I guess to answer your question, um, I am the kind of person who will drive 14 hours so that I can avoid getting on a plane. So how do I do this with Hawaii? Well, obviously if government intervention <laughs> is really the solution, they need to build a fucking bridge. I'll take the bridge. <laughs> they need a really bridge, a, a big, big bridge. Sure. And uh, like, you can like run that. Tesla supercharging stations all along it. It'll be great. I mean, a tunnel would probably be better or something like floating. Now that wouldn't work. That would get shipped stuff uh, underwater. I guess you would have to do it. But with the airline industry, I really do think somebody needs to step in and make those minimum seat sizes large enough to actually accommodate the size adults that we have in today's society, because without that, uh, they're going to keep throwing them in. Like you said, the problem partially is everything's going on price now and everybody wants the best price, of course, which makes sense. And if you're short, I mean, that's great. You can go sit anywhere you want. Um, when you well, look at the alternatives and I mean, I really hate, you know, being this height when it comes to air travel, cause people will be like, well, you know, you could always just go, you know, go first class. And the difference in the the airfares is absolutely nuts. I mean, it's usually like five times, if not more than the coach price. So it's like, okay, say if I want to fly to Vegas, it's like, okay, I maybe can do Vegas for about 400 bucks round trip from Chicago sitting in coach, but it's going to be closer to like two grand well, for first class. I mean, the, the average, uh, 737, which is the plane I'm going to be on, uh, has what 60 seats or so for cargo class and six for first class. So that's kind of a supply and demand thing. If you have more than six people who want to be able to fly with their dignity intact, then you're going to end up driving the prices up. Um, you know, in, in my opinion, it would make more sense to start putting more larger seats in there. However, um, you know, the very idea of first class, they have, uh, 
all the amenities because they want you know to make it attractive they have uh free drinks they have the free movies they have uh the constant service the custom bathroom i don't want any of that if right i just want a bigger seat yeah if you could get a seat that was sized for a human being then i would even be willing to be nickeled and dimed on a can of fucking coke oh i agree I agree 100%. If the seats were actually, if you had enough legroom that you weren't going to, you have to kick the seat in front of you with your knees the whole time. Yeah, I don't care. I don't need peanuts. I don't need free drinks. I don't need anything else. I'm willing to pay for that. I'm just not willing to pay five times more to sit in first class or business class just because I can't fit in the coach seats. There needs to be a middle ground. And this may be, again, a place where the government could actually step in and say, okay, you have to have at least this many seats on each flight that have extra leg room that go by, you know, the people get that are tall enough. If you want to, you want to go against the fatsos and uh, who, who too fat to fly, Kevin Smith, remember that whole deal. And if you want to talk about stuff like, well, we should weigh people because we're really, you know, air travel is based upon your poundage, you know, whether you're carrying cargo or people who are, who are cargo, uh, it goes by, weight when it comes to the cost for the airline so it comes down to me i mean i hate it when you walk into a plane and they have either the exit rows or the first you know the rows where you have a little extra leg room between if there is a first class usually that first row behind first class has a you know a little divider in front of it but most sure. of the time there's more leg room it, it, that's, and that divider is called the class structure and how many times have you walked onto a plane and seen like some little five foot two girl sitting in one of those seats, like woo, kicking her legs, like she's got all the room in the world. And oh, then sure. they take the tall people and shove them in a seat that they don't Be- fit because in. Because first it's- class is not about the, it's no, not, not about the size about of the first seats. class. I'm just okay. talking about coach seats with more, more leg room. Oh, so whether it's that, you know, first seat in coach, whether well, I don't it's think the, they should be the putting, exit rows. I don't think they should be putting a five-year-old girl in the exit row because one I of the main reasons. Two. Uh, okay well then I I, say five years I, a old big girl i mean yeah <laughs> well i don't know that they should be putting that in an exit row anyway simply because the 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 expectation of the exit row is uh you need to be able to help people get off the plane and i'm not sure yes. that anybody who's five foot two is going to be able to wrangle my ass through there really <laughs> or the only the thing door. you could do at that point is yeah is get out of the way and let the big people deal with things you know, I would like to know. I mean, this is kind of a morbid curiosity because there's very few, you know, except the, you know, when Sully landed down, what was it in the Hudson in New York? There's very few examples of a plane which has an emergency landing that you have to use the exits. And I really wonder for those times, how many people in the exit row really assisted and how many? Uh, I'm guessing just opened the door and got the hell out of Dodge. But well, it turns uh, out I haven't been there. Well, that's good. Um, I, I, I will we say that the chance of a water landing goes up immensely when you're flying across the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. Yeah. That was, was the first thing I thought of when when going I mean, to when they, Dublin. When they're like, you know, in the event of a water landing and I'm like, uh, we're flying across the mountains. You're like, well, yeah, I'd be much more worried about hitting a mountain than landing at a lake somewhere. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, uh, please, if we have to make an emergency landing, <laughs> I'd rather go land in the water. Don't fly into a mountain. People don't survive that very often. Yeah. Mountain or lake, mountain or lake. Go, go. Yeah, always go lake. You know, and it's I mean, the nice thing is when it comes to air travel, I didn't read the article because I didn't even know we were doing this. 
when I saw this a few days ago. Right. But it was a few days ago before we decided on the topic. But it did say that like over the last decade or so that the airline safety has gotten way better. It, It had improved. The amount of deaths involved with airline travel was was down and that's it is a very safe yes. medium when it comes down to it it's and, and that by the way is is part of well this is the kind of statement that gets me um vilified as a total asshole but i think we're already here um <laughs> the extreme safety of airlines is in fact directly related to the cost argument that we were talking about earlier um in, in particular you know, as with any, you know, any situation where the first 80% is pretty cheap and then the next, uh, you know, 10% is, is a little more expensive. And then the next, and you know, every time that you want to get a, another small fraction, then the price goes up immensely. And if, if we were willing to accept the level of safety in planes that we all take for granted from cars, then the cost of flying would be, 20% of what it is now. And the airlines actually don't have a choice in that. You know, in, in that case, the, the cost of flying would be uh, capital costs plus operating costs plus fuel. And fuel would be the main one. Um, but the FAA requires such an insane safety record that the number of things that have to be done in order to guarantee it are out of control. Uh, which keeps the planes actually in the air rather than well, crashing I, in the mountains. And and as a person who occasionally gets on a plane, I'm not going to lament the fact that they're very, very safe. But I mean, the statistic is out there that you are far more likely to die on your way to or from the airport than you are while you're in the air. And that's not a surprise. Yeah, you never die in the air. I mean, it, it's usually at the end of a very long descent and quick descent. Some people die in the air. Well, that's true. That is true. Medical well, emergencies do happen well in the air. Yes. Or, uh, or, you know, people who, who will, you know, pull out their guns on the plane because we haven't banned all guns ever. Oh, wait, we have. Well, box cutters, you know, those, those yes. are the things too. Anything can be hidden now. You just get through the uh, TSA checkpoints with a lot of things. And that's the funny part about the TSA. Oh, is do you they, even want to start on security checks. theater? No, before we go to security, let's go to step one when it comes down to you've decided you're going somewhere, in your case, Hawaii, the dance that is airline ticket costs is something that, I mean, for people who don't travel often or don't travel a lot, the maddening thing when it comes to airline ticket prices is there's almost a zero chance that the random guy sitting in front of you, behind you, next to you on the plane actually paid the same exact fare that you did because these fares change on really a moment to moment basis, depending sure. on the airline. Yeah. And uh, air- airlines pioneered the, uh, the stock market technique of microtransactions. Right. Which comes down. Usually it's like there is when the, when a flight first goes on sale and, you know, some of these airlines, I think Southwest is one where you can buy a ticket. If it's still the, the last time I looked, it's like six months or something in advance. So the day something goes on sale, you'll probably get some really good fares. And then as the plane starts to fill up, all the prices go up because they know people are that really have to go somewhere. I'll pay that higher prices. And then quite often as you get closer to the day, 
the fares come back down and it really does. They, they swing wildly up and down and it is one yeah. of the worst parts about it. if you're if you're worried about budget anyway and, and then we come right up planning. to the part where you realize that they had 61 seats on the plane and they sold 65 uh, tickets to people well, yeah, because somebody's going to die on their way to the airport as you pointed out so we don't want to miss out on those seats they yeah get except all of when people filled. don't and then they're like yeah we know that you had a reservation and we you paid us money and you're a paying customer but fuck you we're not going to provide the service that you just it paid money for you actually wanted the sick the seat that the ticket said you oh wow that's confusing and then they will give you free stuff i mean if you're to, talking to about shit that in. needs to be regulated maybe the fact that they they somehow have the ability to collect your money in exchange for a service and then not provide that service because they collected too many people's money well and that you know planes will you know flight will get canceled they've got to move people around and but the overall just pricing how do you deal with that do you just when you decide to go somewhere i mean because some people just go look at the price buy the ticket and never want to worry about it because even though you might save some money and sometimes a decent amount of money it really makes you want to put a gun to your head watching these fares go up and down because like bitcoin i mean you could sit there and go oh gee the flights to hawaii are what are they we're from seattle to hawaii right now do you know what you paid going down there no idea so the, I, I figured I, I, I have somebody the, who is, is way more fastidious <laughs> about watching prices and things than, than I am who deals with that. sort but of let's thing. let's just say, you know, cause I remember like when we went to Ireland, like 10 years ago, I mean, I think the tickets were, you know, like 700 bucks or something round trip from Chicago into Dublin. Now, if you first look at the tickets and go, Oh gee, they're 850 bucks. And you know, maybe I think I can get a better deal. And you start watching this. I mean, it can go either way, like Bitcoin. I mean, that $850 fare, maybe you get lucky and it drops to $700 one day and you can snatch it up. But that $850 fare can also go up to 1000 bucks, And then, you know, you've kind of screwed yourself if you need to travel at any particular time. It's way easier. Most of these uh, travel sites have made it easy if you are very flexible when you can go. To save the most money on airfare but if you're going on specific dates like you said you went somewhere for a wedding but that's why driving was better yeah well, what's your theory say, you know my, would you my, just my, would you my just theory buy is, the first my theory is that if if it's the question of whether or not to deal with that combined with all of the other bullshit that i've been talking about my theory is that i'm perfectly happy to get in the car and go on a, a method of transportation that is both a lot more comfortable and that i have some control over we have a lot of control over it that's the the one thing you have the most control over the one thing i've thought about doing which i never have i'd yet. love to take a train or something if yes, if i thought that the process thinking. was any better and you know, i know I think the seats it is. Are i think well the seats are way bigger and then you can get like the sleeper cars and all that although i and, think those and obama yeah, promised we'd six, never six. have to take our shoes off <laughs> well um there is no there is no equivalent in the train industry as far as i know to the tsa which is an intriguing thing to yeah, me yeah i'm i'm a little surprised that hasn't happened yet but i have confidence it will it, it's been actually a while. The, the main reason it doesn't is because train travel is not outside of a few very select corridors train travel is not really viable in the united states as a means of getting from place to place not like uh not like airplanes are 
And uh, especially out west where I am, there just aren't enough railroad tracks and everything is far enough apart that doing a point to point system like airplanes is significantly easier from a, a perspective of setting up a company to do it. Um, you know, there's a there's basically one double track that goes up the Pacific coast from Vancouver, BC, all the way down to San Diego. And that track has shared by freight trains, by coal trains, by the occasional passenger train. There's just not enough capacity. So, it, you know, combine that with the fact that it is thousands of miles. I mean, we're not quite Australia because there's at least something in between those cities, but it, it's, it's really, really far. And so, yeah, if, if you're well, outside the of trains- the metro corridor. Well, it depends on how far you're traveling. Uh, as John C. Dvorak of the yeah. No Agenda show said, you know, there was a point where he was traveling, I think, from New York down to maybe like Atlanta or something like that. And the question was, you could take a train or uh, you could take a plane in the morning, you know, to, to hop from New York to Atlanta. And that would, you know, maybe it was like an hour, hour and a half flight. Or you could hop a train the night before and it's going to take you eight hours. But when it all came down to it, it was actually more convenient. Just hop on the train, you know, go to sleep, wake up. You're where you need to be. And the, I would, I would absolutely rather spend eight hours and be able to feel my legs at the other end. Right. Because again, small damn seats. But for me, looking at going someplace like Chicago to San Francisco or just the Bay Area, I mean, I don't want the poop on the street and all that. But the airline, it takes about five, Five and a half hours from Chicago to St. Uh, San Francisco, Oakland, and back. A train, on the other hand, the Zephyr, which goes from Chicago into the Bay Area, is a 53-hour train ride. So you're going from about five or six hours to 53. So it's not exactly convenient, but now if I was going someplace, you know, like down to St. Louis here, which if I didn't want to drive from Chicago to St. Louis, the train isn't bad. It's like four hours. And again, you can walk around and you don't have to worry about anything. Distance matters. Well, at, at the risk of sounding grumpy and old, um, it, it might be a comment- show. It might be a commentary on our society that we prioritize. You know, I want to get to a place that is half of a continent away and I can't wait two days. I have to do it right now. That is kind of a commentary on our society. If if I really needed to be in Chicago for any particular, you know, for most of human history, it, it, that was the kind of trip that would take months and you had uh, a relatively low chance of making it at all. And if you can do that trip in two days, that is amazing. That is an incredible feat of engineering. And yet it's not good enough. <laughs> well, yeah, time is money. Uh, which I you could tell that the well the that's trains why had, we're paying so much for airlines. Well, again, that is absolutely true, and that's why they fit as many people. Well, that's not really why they fit as many people in. That's all economics. The they could add more planes that have more leg room and uh, and go that route, but of course they wouldn't make as much money. And I do, I get it. As a company, you want to make money. I understand that concept. Yeah, the, those bastard capitalists. How dare they? The, the how. You know, the, you. you know, but the train, it, it definitely seems like it would be a much more comfortable trip. 
But when there is that alternative, it's not that. I mean, if there was no such thing as air travel, and we might get there. I mean, Greta Thornberry wants to shut down these horrible, horrible air airlines, and she may end up getting her way at some point where they will limit air travel to the point that the 53 hours to the Bay Area from Chicago is going to seem like a great deal again. So I don't doubt that may get here. There is a threshold, though. Uh, you know, you, you definitely don't use a. Uh, like if you want to get from where you are to say North Chicago, it, I, I assume there's something North of Chicago. I don't know what um, you probably <laughs> don't get on a plane. Um, no. There's, there's a threshold where ground transportation is absolutely better for intracity for uh, in a Metro area. Um, like if you need to get from say uh, New York to Philadelphia, I I suppose there are some people who would take their private jets, but most people will just get on either in a car or on a train because that's that that's not far enough to really matter. Um, and you know, getting from here to Seattle, there is a train that is a daily commuter train that you can get on, and it's actually an amazing experience because it also uh, travels right on the edge of the ocean with the mountains across the way and. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. It's a fun experience, and I've taken it to commute. Um, not often because Seattle is not where I worked, but um, it, it. I really like that. And for a short travel, um, I, I ground transportation really wins. Um, so there is a threshold for at what point you know. Okay, so traveling half of a continent, it makes more sense to fly just in terms of time, in terms of energy. Um, but traveling across the city, you want to drive or, or take a public transportation if that's an option for you. So what is the threshold? What, how, actually, let me just, let me just say it like this. Uh, how far would you have to go, Darren, before you decide, you know what? Air, air travel really is the way to go. And I don't, I don't want to take a ground transport. Well, what's north of Chicago? I mean, as far as big cities Canada. go, is Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, oh. and Wisconsin. The state comes before Canada. Oh, we're, okay. we're not right up on the on the north end. end I'm here, so but, sorry uh, for that. Milwaukee is about two and a half hours from here. the The drive is definitely not bad. There are trains that go there. With that said, I'm sure that there are flights that go from Chicago Midway into Milwaukee. I would be very surprised if not. Again, they probably use this as also the way for people to jump from Milwaukee to other larger, you know, larger southern cities. You know, you end up flying from Milwaukee to Chicago and then kind of use that as a hub. Um, But, you know, I've driven down to Nashville before, which is about a seven to eight hour car ride. And I've also flown to Nashville, actually, to and from Nashville in the same day. It depends on what your schedule is. So. And and your threshold yeah, if, for uh, intense physical pain, right? Well, when I when I flew to and from Nashville on the same day, somebody else was paying for the tickets, and it was business class in uh, well, at least the business uh, or uh, Southwest. So you got to board first, got the first row, leg room, and you didn't have to bring any luggage because it was just going down for a meeting and then coming back. That was probably the best flying experience I ever had. Because you just showed up, didn't have to worry about checking any bags, got on the plane, then came home the same way. Dealing with luggage is a uh, is another big pain in the ass. But as far as the threshold for me, I don't see flying anywhere 
that I could drive. I mean, we've uh, driven to uh, Minneapolis a few times, and that is about an eight hour or so. And we've driven to Florida before with my parents years ago, where that is, you know, obviously a much longer drive. Uh, but I definitely prefer when you're going down to Florida, I definitely prefer flying. But, uh, you know, th- that's about the that's about it. I don't think I could ever drive to California. I mean, I think that's a little too far, you know, going oh, through the mountains. I've it's done an that. easier drive. You know, it's a pain, right? It uh, actually it's some beautiful country between here and California, but it is a long freaking way. Yes. You know, and then sometimes you just want to kick back and relax. And, uh, you know, I get it. You can't do that flying anymore, though. That's the. That is the problem. Maybe no. trains. There's there's a there's no, a I'm, chance. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to take drugs to knock me out because it'll be the only way that I don't end up <laughs> just ranting at everybody in my aisle. Yes. I mean, if you watch, I mean, we're, we're grumpy old Ben. So this comes back from our day. Did you watch as a kid the A Team, the television show? Uh, not familiar. Oh man, Mr. T played B A Baracus. He was like the oh, big A-team. bad dude. Of yes, course. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. That was absolutely. I th- I'm like the eighteen. Wait, 18 what? <laughs> oh, the 18. You're always just waiting for the girls to become 18. Yes. But that's now. That wasn't back when you were a kid. Uh, B.A. Baracus hated to fly, so they always drugged him. And then yes. he just woke up somewhere else. <laughs> I, I always this. thought that would be a great service for somebody to provide for people that hated to fly, which is, you know, little ninjas come into your room, drug you, and then you wake up in Hawaii well, and you go, oh, I mean, my my drug of choice in this case is Benadryl. Uh, which means that I'll arrive at the other end with no allergies and yawning <laughs> and really seeing pretty colors. I tell you, yeah, but that would be a great, that would be a great concept that you can actually make flying better that way. If you were just drugged and don't even remember the flight whatsoever. So I, I think I already established from an anecdote earlier in this show that my, my threshold for how far uh, at, is at least from here to Salt Lake city, which I think is farther than most people would want to go. Um, but what made me bring up the, the threshold idea at all is there are, uh, there were for a a couple decades, there were commuter flights that would go from SeaTac to Portland airport. And, uh, Portland is 200, 250 miles away. It's four, maybe five hours by car, depending on where you start. Um, probably what a half hour by plane. Yeah. It, half hour in the air. And right. um, most of the you know, there, I think there might still be one or two a day for the people who are really hardcore commuters. But for the most part, uh, the airlines have stopped running uh, a lot of the Seattle to Portland. You know, there used to be like a Seattle to Portland every 20 minutes or something. I mean, it was just that complicated or I mean that common, uh, but for the most part, the number of flights have slowed way down. And one of the big reasons for that is that once you count the amount of time taken to put up with all of the airport bullshit on either end, you're not saving any time versus just driving. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever like uh, island hop down in Hawaii? Cause this is something I'm totally unfamiliar with. I'm assuming there's a bunch uh, of small I have airports, not, but, but yes, uh, this is something my mom is very familiar with. She'll, she'll tell me something like, you know, she lives on the big Island, the, the volcanic one, but she'll say something like, uh, Oh yeah, we went to Honolulu for the day. Okay. And I'm guessing there's very little TSA to deal with 
for those flights. I, yeah, my I understanding is that you flash a, a Hawaiian driver's license and they're like, you know, come right in. Also, the, the, the Kona Airport is uh, three buildings and uh, a large tarmac, and that's pretty much it. Um, it's nothing compared to SeaTac, which SeaTac is only a medium sized airport, but it's large enough that you need to sprint to get across it if your connecting flight is less than a half hour out. Well, that makes it more fun. Yeah. It makes traveling an adventure. SeaTac is also a 90 minute drive from here, which is one of those things that that, that adds to the. You know, you, when you say the flight time is only six hours to Hawaii, um, this is going to be a 12 hour ordeal just to get from here to there. And, well, and yeah, there's you know, a lot of that is, uh, you know, security theater on the ground. Uh, the the fact that um, in order to get there, I have to travel from here through downtown Seattle on a Friday <laughs> afternoon to get to the other side of the city. So are you. Drugged up before you get to the TSA, or do you drug yourself up after that? I'm drugged up now. <laughs> That's good. I mean, I I, I think if I, if I would know your wife enough that she would want you docile going through TSA, or, or you know what? I don't know if she cares because either way, she's not sticking around and bailing you out if you get in any trouble. She's well, just like, the, you know, why? I, I, I suspect it'll be a lot like the last time when, uh, you know, I ended up with bruises on my elbow where she, every time that I, Every time that she looked at me and I was about to say something snarky and, and cutting, then she would squeeze my arm. <laughs> and Why don't you guys get a real job instead of ass like me? Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, I, you, your salary is paid by my taxes. That's always a good one. That's really effective. When has that line ever mattered to any bureaucrat? <laughs> never, never. But that is probably the part. Oh, I mean. Besides the fact, okay, let's rate these things. The number one thing, at least that I hate, and I think most people would, would be the uncomfortable seats of the airline, of the airplane as the number one most hated thing, or is it going through the no, TSA for, checkpoint? For me, it's the security theater because I at least understand the economics behind cramming everybody into a, a one cubic foot space. Um, the there There are no economics behind the TSA security theater. It is all uh, propaganda, fear mongering and government control and, and nothing else. They, they have not demonstrably prevented. They, they have, they have not come up with evidence of having present prevented a single terrorist, anything they, they have literally in 20 years, almost of existing, they have accomplished nothing except to make airline travel less convenient more expensive raise taxes uh to employ a crap load of government bureaucrats and oh by the way that's not exactly a dream job for the people working for the government they fucking hate their jobs because it's a terrible job but it's paying people with tax money well you know it's really important that you can't bring a bottle of water with you through the checkpoint i mean that's that's some very dangerous stuff you know, they've really they've collected a lot of probably nail clippers, small yeah. knives. Yeah. And, um, and you know, they like and you know that they haven't actually prevented anything because you guarantee if they ever did anything that was actually effective, it would be on the news for the next 12 months straight as, you know, specials and coverage. They would tell us they would make sure. 
Because how do we know? Because one fucking retard pulled a lighter out on a plane and tried to set his own shoe on fire. And now we have to walk (laughs) through these stupid things barefoot. Well, you never know what's in your shoe. I know what's in my shoe and it's probably best that it stay there. And I also know what's in the, uh, the shoes of everybody around me. And I'd really like it to stay there because my respiratory system works. And I don't like standing in a line with all these assholes that are barefoot and never fucking wash. I mean, the interesting thing with the TSA is the technology that's being used. If we can all just be honest about it is still fairly simplistic meaning your bags go through an x-ray and you walk through a machine depending on which airport you're going through there's a, a few different ones of the either a very simple metal detector or they've got those new ones now where they have a you know puff of air that they can allegedly you know tell if you have any kind of you know bomb making residue bad things on your person that the thing can pick up but the machines are still relatively in their infancy and the biggest thing that Everybody talks about them keeping off the plane would be guns and knives. Well, you can make a real and, and laptops. Re- well, yeah, because laptops are obviously bad. You know, I'm really surprised. I mean, when it comes down to the fact over the last 10 years, what has been a bigger threat to your airline safety while you're up in the air? Oh, that's easy. Between- that's the government. No, lithium ion batteries. More worrisome than terrorists. And uh and and that's not an exaggeration in any way, shape, or form. And every asshole has those now in their laptop and in their phone. And we uh, what which Samsung was that the seven or something that had those problems where it was exploding. Yes. Apple's had that problem, and I'm sure every laptop manufacturer has had a a battery run like that. Um so it's interesting one, that one the biggest f- thing they're worried about. One of my favorite is, game I mean, mods ever where they, they created a custom grenade in this fighting game that you, you pulled out a Samsung phone and you hit the unlock <laughs> and then you threw the phone and it blew up like a grenade. <laughs> that is awesome. It, it, sadly, it's more realistic than uh, we would probably care to believe, but we have some nice uh, ceramic knives in the kitchen. The ceramic will not show up in a metal detector. So how are you keeping metal knives off the plane? How is that helpful when any asshole can sneak a ceramic knife onto the plane? I don't see Obviously, if you can afford a ceramic knife, you're rich and rich people have different (laughs) rules, right? I guess that. And and there are 3D printable guns. I mean, you could also make guns out of material that aren't metal. I mean, really, all you need to do when you have a gun on an airplane because once you're in a pressurized environment it's probably a really bad idea to fire the gun on in an airplane Um, but all you have to do is have it look like a gun and that's going to probably get you what you want because yeah i mean you try to take a if you manage to get a squirt gun on the plane and anybody sees it they're going to fucking they might be halfway there, but they're going to turn the plane around to take you back and screw everybody out of their trip. But this just shows like, okay, what is the TSA really, really, really preventing nothing from getting on the planes? And I think you're right with nothing. It is. No, there, nothing there have more been countless tests theater. where, you know, quote unquote tests most of the time, because the TSA will never sanction an official test. And of course it, uh, but, you know, you know what penetration testing is, right? Hell yeah. It's Jay Finley. Yeah. 
It's where where somebody tests security by trying to get through it. And there have been lots of people who actually set out with the intent of penetration testing. And the funny thing is, if the TSA ever detected somebody was trying to test their system, they would arrest that person and claim it's, well, we were sure he was a terrorist, which isn't actually the real reason, because uh, somebody trying to show that the TSA is nothing more than ridiculous theater is far more dangerous to the bureaucracy that they've built than a terrorist ever could be. You know, they, they could well, let 20 terrorists through and blow up planes and take out an entire airport. And they probably could recover from that. But if there were sufficient actual proof that what they're accomplishing is nothing, then their funding might be cut. Whereas if they let a few planes blow up, their funding will be increased. So what are what are their incentives again? <laughs> uh, to let a few planes just accidentally slip through the cracks. But if you really want some great penetration testing stories from the real world, I recommend and I do. reading reading the book called uh, I think it's Red Cell by Richard Demo Dick Marchinko who was the guy that created seal team six. That's a heck of a name. It is. And he's, it was a hell of a dude, man. A, uh, just some very, if you like the kind of, uh, the shoot em up and in his, his first book was allegedly a biography. And then he wrote a string of fiction books along the same lines, but red cell was allegedly, uh, if you believe the stories that he tells was his, you know, Navy seals, the red cell was the group that penetration tested the military bases. You know, any oh, of these, they have, they have uh, no sense of humor about that sort of thing. <laughs> I know, you know military bases, all of the high level targets you could think of, you know, in the United States and wherever else they would go and they would uh, see what they could do and then really embarrass whoever was in charge of those bases by proving you know, they would do things like steal weapons or just plant little, you know, post-it notes somewhere like, you know, you've been pwned, I'm sure with better language that, uh, you know, maybe in the general's desk that when he comes in the next day, he realizes that uh, maybe the security isn't so good. So, I mean, I, I understand these are the best of the best that could do that, but the TSA, not exactly the same kind of uh, force that the military protecting their bases is. So I would no, just they, understand they don't even that have SWAT uh, teams, which is sad. You know, it goes back to, uh, oh, as, as know, somebody, somebody who's going to be flying later today, I'm actually okay that the TSA doesn't have SWAT teams <laughs> because you might be, uh, you might be hands on the luggage rack and being strip searched within, you know, within no time. But you know, again, they, they, I'm sure the, the TSA actually well, makes I, you more of a docile yeah. creature. I, I yeah, but. I have two massive handicaps when it comes to the TSA. I have a low opinion of government and an inability to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> which is why your wife elbows you. Well, yeah. When which she's- is why my wife does all the talking. Yes. <laughs> just pretend you don't even speak English. That might be a better way to go. Or you're a mute and you or, just can't or, say or, anything. Or pretend that I speak English because none of these fuckers do. I'm just waiting for you to like show up at an airport and they're looking at your ID and go you that podcast guy and uh and it's all downhill from there yeah but, and and then i'll be like uh no 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 uh, are, are you a, do you donate to the podcast oh yes oh in that I case want, i am <laughs> yes i am that's me can i get right through security now 
no, no, I've, I've heard enough. We're going to have to take you to this other room here and uh, we're going to have to make you do the stupid human tricks yeah, again. Yeah. And then, then they'd be like, uh, you know, are you, are you on that grumpy old Ben's podcast? Yes, I am. Oh, that podcast, those guys, uh, you know, what's your name? Oh, I'm, my name is Darren. I don't even know this guy, Ryan. Um, I, I check know that your he, ID. <laughs> <laughs> but I check your ID, check your ID at the door. But Okay. Here's the other thing with the TSA. You have just the overall baggage too and you know oh, how i have big plenty of baggage <laughs> oh you mean physical bags i believe I'm sorry. you do yes and you know the kind of stuff in those bags that have you know lit on fire you know and cause problems and you know all of these concepts too i mean what, what's your thoughts on when somebody checks bags on a flight and then who knows what happens maybe they have a grabber maybe they get the runs because they had bad mexican for breakfast and they don't make the flight and it's like oh this guy's bags are on the flight, but he didn't make it. So now we have to like empty the whole cargo hold well, looking I, for yeah, their I, bags. I, I do know that the tendency to completely inconvenience and screw over all travel plans for everybody involved is probably not the right way to do it. Uh, the, the way that it used to happen back in, you know, when we were kids uh, seems a lot more sane, which is uh, you fucked up and now your possessions are going to another city. And we'll, return. well, here's my question. And then you have to pay shipping if, to get them back. Well, if you have to go and get the bag off the plane because the person didn't show up, I'm really wondering about your security measures because technically you're yeah. putting these bags through whatever scanners and stuff, but you're saying because the person didn't show up, we now have to question whether our security measures testing it to get I, it on exactly the plane. What I was, yeah, what I was about to say, which, which is that if, if you're, you know, the the problem with oh well i guess the bag is now going to to tennessee or yeah, the, okay your bag is taking the trip we can't have that we have to move everything well why do you why do you decide to do that well because somebody might put a bag on the plane then stop putting bags on the planes when the person isn't there or something just figure it out uh, well yeah it doesn't make sense because you're also then assuming that somebody would never I, put anything in their bags and then get on the plane yeah uh, they might, you know, there's always the, they might intentionally put a bomb in the bag. Um, and, and I'm like, yes, that's what a laptop is. It's possibly at any given time. I mean, at least is this still happening where they make you open up your laptop and turn it on? I haven't seen that in a while, but uh, I know that was uh, the last time. Well, okay. The last time I was through, they actually, and, and here's another reason why the TSA theater is complete bullshit. They had two wildly different. Uh, systems in place between Seattle and Kona Um, in, in Seattle, I had to take the laptop out of the bag, but then I could just put the laptop in a tray. So I'd have to by itself. Yeah. In a tray by itself in the bag. And then they didn't worry about it. But in Seattle, they also said, you know, you don't have to worry about taking your shoes off, presumably because the lines were really long and they didn't want to have people fucking with their laces in line and making it even slower because of course, you know, trying to keep the lines up, that is an actual tangible priority as opposed to say, stopping the illusionary terrorists they're chasing. But when I got to Kona on the other end, they didn't give a flying fuck about my laptop, but if my shoes were anywhere near me, (laughs) then they freaked out. Uh, also, the Kona airport is one of the only places in the world where I have 
personally, well, okay, uh, not counting the abstract racism inherent in the SJW ideology, I have personally been subject to direct racism there because on the Hawaiian Islands, if you are not of Hawaiian descent, you are, you know, some kind of, of pathetic gaijin, especially if you're a tourist. Because if you live there, you tan f- enough that, you know, like my mom who lives, looks like leather now, um, then you, you look like a, a local. But anybody with really pale skin or even worse, somebody leaving with sunburned skin, it's like, oh, tourist. And then they, I, I mean, okay, the anecdote is we had first class tickets and they wouldn't even talk to us. And they, let, they only let the people, they started like going through the line and pulling out all the people who looked like locals well i mean to be fair you had this is not a bomb written on your shoes right uh maybe that would be a great shoe line i I do remember there was a flight where i was wearing a t-shirt i have i have a t-shirt that uh i i can probably take a photo of it but um it is a picture of a city skyline um on fire and a couple of broken skyscrapers and stuff and uh in the foreground there are two mercenaries looking at each other and one has got his head down looking sheepish and the other one looks angry and the caption is rule one pillage then burn and i wore that That was and and one of the buildings kind of looks like the seattle space needle (laughs) (laughs) this wasn't acceptable for the uh Uh, well i you know i never showed it to the tsa because of course everywhere i go i wear hawaiian aloha shirts anyway um, you can ask Rhino about that one, but um, my wife made me button up the Aloha shirt over it so that it wasn't showing when we went through security. She didn't think that was an appropriate choice. I thought it was fucking hilarious. Yeah. I mean, come on. This is why humor's dead. Nobody can take a joke anymore. You know, even this whole thing. I mean, again, I know you are a freedom of speech guy, and you, but I bet you're not going to say the word bomb in an airport. Um, you, you know, the problem is I might, which is one of the reasons why I, <laughs> I have taken it under advisement that I need to shut the fuck up and let my wife talk. Does she bring like a roll of duct tape that in case things get, uh, no, no, get a little she, out of hand, it just, no, she uh, wields a withering stare that will curdle milk. So it, it's effective. Well, otherwise she'll never take you on vacation again. Yeah. I'm sure your mom would welcome her without you. I think that's probably true. where's ryan left him at home party you're not even a professional podcaster i mean you're not even gonna get up at like five or six in the morning to do a live show next week i mean that is that is not being a professional adam (laughs) curry would not would not give you the thumbs up on this one um no blitz i've not actually done that What's the question? What haven't you done? There's something you haven't done. Uh, it's it's from the troll room and and it's not appropriate and it really shouldn't be repeated on this podcast. So, of <laughs> course, I'm going to re- read it, uh, which is uh, he says, Sir Pemrose goes commando and waggles his junk while blurting out to the TSA. Hang loose, brah. And uh, I would just say that I would never do something like that because that's not how I speak. <laughs> well, not the bra part. Yeah. But here's a question for you. That is a, is a, uh, you know, a flippant comment from Blitz, but let's be honest, that would make the TSA's job a lot easier if they had to make everybody strip down naked before walking through the checkpoint. 
are we are we I, that far from that as at this point i i mean my my comment earlier about the tsa job being terrible one of the reasons <laughs> is that they have to look at the naked scans of a lot of people and you you think that hey you know when whenever a model you know, it goes through, that'd be pretty awesome. So it'd be like, yeah, I'd love that job. Well, the problem is that for every hot supermodel that goes through your line, there's a thousand people that you really don't want to see naked. For every Adriana Lima, there are a thousand Sir Bemroses. <laughs> well, you want to see me naked. Trust me. I'm, I'm pretty sexy. <laughs> yeah, that'll in, be on. In fact, the grumpy old in fact that Patreon. photo might be in the show notes. <laughs> okay, wait, you don't want anybody to click on the show notes link, do you? Well, no, no, the, the link hope. will be removed in the Patreon version, of course. Right. Of course. Of course. Um, <laughs> You'll have to donate. <laughs> no, I think you donate to not get the link. Yeah, right? that's, that's what I meant. The, okay. That makes, that makes way more sense. But there's really, I mean, there's nothing that I enjoy about flying except getting to the destination. Yeah. And it, it really is. There's, it's, it's, like you said, they've been nickeled and dimed. I mean, here are the things that have changed from when i was a kid one there was no tsa two you didn't have to pay for your bags three i don't think there was a limit on the weight of the bags you would actually got a paper ticket in the mail long before the day of your flight and basically just walked in the airport checked your bags walked to the gate there was no security if somebody was dropping you off you know as a kid i went down to uh, florida to visit my aunt and uncle and my cousins and my parents could just take me right to the gate, make sure I got on the plane. It was a much simpler concept. It was a much more enjoyable concept. The seats at that point were not so close together that you couldn't fit. You actually got, a, I mean, granted, it was what we would be getting as like a frozen you know, meal now, like a hungry man or something. But you got food on the plane. You got drinks on the plane. Nobody was charging you for that crap except for alcohol. Yeah, could just go to the bathroom, which I think Ryanair, one of these, maybe the one, I think it was Ryanair over in the UK and in Ireland that actually charges people to use the, the head. So, I mean, you didn't have any of these problems. And these are all things that have changed in our lifetime, which has made the whole concept how, of flying. How do, they, how do they handle that charge? Do they have like a coin operated bathroom door? Probably, <laughs> you know, I mean, if you, if you don't have a coin. Yeah. And actually I mean, it's not a coin. Of course, it's, it's Apple pay NFC or something. <laughs> And if you don't have an Apple or, phone, or they have a token, right? Right. If you don't have, well, this is also, you know, where a lot of this stuff is going and it, and it worries because I saw this the other day that, uh, you know, your airline tickets are just going to be on an app on your phone. I mean, there was one of them that actually, I think there was an airline that was starting an app that this is where your ticket was just going to be in your phone. And this kind of stuff. That's, that's really, a real problem for OTG. You think? Well, well, it, you, well it is already. Yeah. It, it is already with things like Major League Baseball forcing season ticket holders to have the have the barcode well, uh, on their phone. Yeah, you can't get paper uh, tickets. Forcing anybody to watch Major League Baseball is is cruel and unusual punishment already. <laughs> so yeah, making them have a phone is no big deal. But yeah, imagine that you can't get on an airplane unless you have a smartphone with your ticket information, your itinerary. It's it yeah, it is not good for the OTG people. It is. Again, it's under the guise of making things easier for you. But the bottom line is just more tracking, more tracking, more tracking that they can see exactly where you are, what you're doing. I'm sure once you get to the airport, you're not going to be tracked at all. 
you know, it's that for way your they, convenience. they would know where you are. Is it? Yeah. I, uh, I guess that everything, could be. everything is for your convenience. Even the inconvenient I mean, things even, are for your convenience. Totally. I mean, now it's sad that it gets to the point to where if you really have to take a lot of luggage with you for an extended trip, it's probably less it's, expensive. Yeah, it's and getting way cheaper easier. to ship it. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's like, just take your stuff, put it in, you know, give it to UPS or, you know, the post office, whoever you trust and ship it off two days beforehand and it'll get there the same day you do. And uh, it, which would actually make the airport experience a whole lot better not having to carry the bag because there's nothing worse and then what do you feel about the the uh, people that bring the carry-ons that are the exact maximum size that they can be and everybody wants to throw those in the bins it's well, like you know, I, you're supposed I, to check your luggage I, and to be honest i co- totally understand what they're doing and i intend to do the same thing well not not actually exactly the shape because i'm taking I'm taking a laptop bag and it's going to have half of what I pack in it, but I, I and you're going to throw that in the upper bin. Oh, hell no. It's going to be under the seat in front of me because I want access to that shit. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you got to have your, do you, you got to have your, do you remember the days it, talking about seat? I have to go back to the fucking seat size. There was a time when I was actually able to pull out a laptop and use it on the plane because the next seat in front of me wasn't two inches away from my face. Yeah. You can't do that anymore. No. No, there you will can be barely no like use. have a tablet. Yeah, which is why some of these airlines at least put a a nice little screen in front of you that you can watch the in-flight entertainment. On. Yeah, yeah, for for Yay. a small fee. Well, no, I mean you could see the movie. You just had to pay if you want the headphones. Yeah, and there was also a time where they didn't limit. Although I think this may be okay now. This was also another weird thing to where. You, I remember going, this was back again in probably 1987, 88, going to Florida myself. And before the plane was taking off, I put my Walkman, put the headphones on, was listening to a cassette as, you know, the plane taxied and took off. And then it went for a long period of time of no electronic devices during that oh, yeah, initial yeah, yeah. takeoff. Yeah. You, you need to make sure all electronic again. devices are shut off. My absolute favorite, my absolute favorite with that was when I had a, a Kindle and I shut it off and then they came by and looked at it. This was early in the days when e-ink was not well known and I had it off and sitting on the thing in front of me and they looked at it and said, we're going to need you to shut that off. I'm like, it is off. Well, no, look at it's on the screen. Like it's right. There's something on the screen. (laughs) I don't care what it is, boy, turn it off. yeah, <laughs> didn't quite work that way. Or the you know, the concept of make which sure is, your phone is in airplane mode. I mean, really, how are you going to fucking know which how is, many of phones course, aren't in airplane mode? The, the hilarious thing about it is that there has never been an incident ever of anybody's consumer electronics fucking with the communications or electronics on the plane. It It's just never happened. <laughs> But they either they they, think they, it there does was there was like one re- is- there was one report where they thought the possibility of uh, emissions from an electronic device could, under certain circumstances, uh, cause particular readings to pop up in some of the non-critical systems or something like that. But here's the thing: all of the systems that really rely on you know, unless you're bringing an EMP on the plane. I mean, yeah, you can probably mess something up there, but all of the systems that actually rely on carefully calibrated radio systems, 
the antennas on the are on the outside of the plane, and most of these planes have a metal skin turning them into Faraday cages. You're not gonna get interference, especially not from a quarter watt uh, RF antenna or, or Bluetooth or you know something that that generates almost no power. But at least you have something that can make your seatmate totally freak out when they realize that the plane is about to take off and your cell phone's not in airplane mode. Uh, it, People go crazy. Well, I'll tell you what, my cell phone is going to be powered down the entire time, not because <laughs> of anything they say, but because, you know, as soon as I get off of this podcast, um, I'm not communicating with any of you for the next week. Well, that's good because I'm going to communicate with your brother, Tony Bemrose who wants to do an episode in your stead uh as he wants to he wants to replace you i think he's he looks up to you and he wants to be you and he wants to take a shot at being a grumpy old ben uh, uh, and he, i don't know uh, he has do always do? he has always wanted to be me but if you claim that he looks up you're going to get an argument about that <laughs> what are you saying he's uh he's a uh, taller than you now no i what i'm what i'm saying is that he uh He's a very proud person who seems to think that being just like me, um, he, he's a little deluded into thinking that that's not the ideal human form. I don't know if I could argue with that. He's, I mean, yes, you, you'd better be able to if you're going to have him on the show. <laughs> no, I think this is all just going to be his his thought for the show is why Ryan is wrong or how Ryan has been wrong. So it's going to be a lot of fun for everybody involved. And we'll see. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't exactly even know day. how. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be some kind of weird show where your topic is fictional. <laughs> I mean, you've been wrong at least once or twice, according to Tony, your brother. So I'm sure that we might want to take if anybody has any questions. Here's a good chance. If you had any questions about Ryan that he won't answer about his growing up or about him in general, feel free to send those to Darren at grumpy and we can pose those questions to Ryan's brother when he has a chance to speak unfettered and uncensored by his older brother, Ryan Bemrose. So you definitely want to tune in for that one. But Ryan's going to be off having fun in Hawaii, doing the things. You're not going to go like walk on an active volcano like those people down in or wherever that was. Um, well, you understand that the entirety of Hawaii is an active volcano, right? Oh, so. Uh, I mean, this really could be your farewell episode then. So if, if Hawaii happens to, uh, you know, go up, then uh, then maybe Tony will have to replace you full time. I'm, I'm not really sure. We'll have to check into that. We hope you're going to have, you know, a fun, enjoyable trip. I mean, I want to hear the stories afterwards. I want to hear the TSA stories. I would like to hear all about. Well, I mean, maybe take a picture on the plane of those nice small seats that you have to get in. And, and rack yourself in for the six hour or so flight. See, that is that is getting on the upper end of even where I want to fly. As far as you know, you said well, how far would you drive the the plane? The, these flights now, and wasn't isn't there one now? Anybody in the troll room can help out with this one. But isn't there something now from like New York to Australia that's almost like a twenty four hour flight? I mean, it just seems like it is. You know, pushing the envelope. And if it was, you know, if it was like a train where you actually had room and you could actually kick back and not be slammed in like sardines, maybe that would be okay. But I really even question, I mean, there you'd have to have multiple pilots, obviously, on the plane. If it's a 24 hour flight, 
Um, but they're they're pushing the they're pushing the envelope as far as that goes. How far these long haul flights can go. And I mean, one thing I am kind of intrigued by is why there hasn't been anything replacing, or is it just the cost? Why there's nothing that has replaced the Concord, you know, the rich guy's way of getting from the United States over to England in a in a fraction of the time that us us peons in these in these slow moving airplanes that only go what like five six hundred miles an hour. How come there? How come there's no new Concord? Why is it just? I, is it a cost sure, thing? Well, actually, I think cost is one of the big reasons. But the other reason is probably because there are militaries who would complain about shit going supersonic. I mean, if if they genuinely think that people are going to be flying planes into buildings again, if they ever let you, um, do, do you think they really want planes in supersonic? You'd have to have really good aim to fly into a building at supersonic speeds. I. That that doesn't really matter. The difficulty of it is is not really that important. If your goal is security theater, you just need to talk up how it's possible and how your efforts, despite how much they cost, are are preventing and protecting you from this terrible fate. It, so you want to learn how to fly? No, I just I just want to learn how to uh, steer the plane. I yeah, don't, the takeoff, landing. I'm not really interested in either of those. <laughs> I. But- I would actually love to fly. Um, it turns out uh, if, if you want to talk about legal discrimination, uh, the uh, colorblindness actually was a total non-starter for being able to operate a plane. And that is just because of the, the gauges and things that are used or well, it's uh, or quite, what? it's quite possible to change up the instruments. Um, it's, it's not that so much as uh, there are, I mean, you're you're basically right. the The problem is that there are color signals that are necessary and used in the common protocols. Um, in this case, I think uh, like things like runway lights. Oh, uh, like yeah. it'll be a, it'll green, be a, a long row of red lights that say you're going the wrong way, and a long row of green lights that say follow this taxiway <laughs> or something. I don't know. Um, but it, it's it's one of many many protocols that has been in use for a really long time. And everybody's used to it and everybody uses it and every airport has it installed and they can't really change the protocol without severely disrupting everything. But it turns out that, uh, yes, if if you can't pick up on signals of color with no other indication whatsoever, um, then you might be getting the wrong information. And I think we did our accessibility episode. But yeah, basically, if you're ever designing a protocol, uh, then never, ever make a signal that relies on color and nothing else. And that could be changed. It would just take a lot to do it. In yeah, the it would just room, take an Ned, effort. Ned points out. And it's much easier to Richard discriminate Branson, against colorblind people. Yeah, well, you're not important. Richard Branson is making the next version of the Concord, if you will, the replacement, something even faster. So it'll be interesting to see if that comes to light. The one interesting thing about pilots, though, if I'm not incorrect, is they almost speak english that seems to be discriminatory isn't it no All pilots must speak english no because if they don't speak english i can't understand them well neither can air traffic control i guess and that gets to be maybe where the problem is i don't know but we're going to expect a full report on your trip oh trust me i'll have, I'll have two weeks worth of stuff to bitch about when we return no, you'll have like two days worth of things to bitch about because nobody's going to be, Ryan's going to be like, 
you know, in Kona, the weather was too nice. Yeah. And I had to like sit out on the beach and eat like all this fresh fish. Oh, yeah. And then there were these hula girls and it was just horrible. So uh, I have to let you know, one of the things that uh, was recently installed at my mom's house that I'm very much looking forward to is they have just installed an outdoor shower right next to the pool. And uh, so, you know, they get the privacy screens and whatnot. So you don't even have to go into a stuffy enclosed bathroom to take a shower anymore. You can now just go out with your soap and shampoo and shower outside. Not something that happens around it, here. Well, it could, but it gets really, well, really no, actually, bad in the winter. Not, I get cold showers outside here all the time, but I'm usually wearing clothes and I don't take soap and shampoo. Right. It's just called rain yeah. there. Uh, and I'm glad I'm glad that you pointed out the privacy screens. Otherwise, I was going to start questioning the parties going on at your mom's house. That like, Well, maybe, that, uh, that's valid question to question anyway. <laughs> uh, let's let's just of- say that, you know, the, the concept of, of how far the apple falls from the tree. Uh, <laughs> my mom, uh, for better or worse, she is a Pemrose. Just that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the I think that's the safest way to go. But yeah, we don't want to hear you complaining about how nice Hawaii was. But I'm assuming that oh, you're going to hear about it. The the getting there and getting back will be where the good stories are. And you know, point out anything that you see that has now changed recently with the flying experience. Maybe the seats are going to be even smaller than the last time you went. And yeah, at some even point more comfortable. I, I'm still waiting for the the advancement flight where they just put everybody into stasis and throw them into a cargo hold, and then unfreeze them on the other end. That's what I want. Drug people throw. It doesn't even matter. Just throw them in the plane somewhere. I mean, they're already stacking people like cordwood. Let's just make us not remember the experience. That'd make it better. Well, yeah, let's briefly talk about that because we haven't even talked about the fact that there are people that have suggested. I think this was Ryanair again, is they're the ones that seem to really want to push the whole people as cattle concept. They were the ones that came people up named with the Ryan, concept. always demeaning people. Yeah, I don't know. Is that your airline? I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, that they, they want to have it's more of like a bar stool thing rather than a seat where you're almost like, you know, fully upright oh, that sounds and strapped so in on like a little bicycle seat and uh but this is something because you know if you're standing up this is really this is kind of like in space can nobody can hear you scream uh, when you're standing up there's no need for leg room so as long as the cabin is tall enough well, for why, you which why not is, just get a crack team of surgeons on either end and just have have them dismember your body so that you're it's easier to store and then on the other end, they can sew all the parts back on. I mean, has anyone Maybe. looked into that? Probably. I mean, if it would save the airlines money, the, this concept of trying to fit every last human resource into an airplane that they can and, and without take, you know, again, this is when people do statistics and all this, like you said, with the width of the parking spot. Nobody is going in and making these calculations going, oh, well, here we got a guy that's uh, six foot six and 250 pounds. No, yeah. they're like, oh, gee, what's average? Well, and it doesn't probably what's the average between men and women. What's like the average human being? I'm guessing, you know, like five, six, five, seven, you know, and a hundred pounds. I don't uh, know. The uh, average American small. male is five, ten. So they're basing that. Pro- that they're like, female, well, nobody will be taller than average, five, eight, right? Yeah. Yeah. And nobody. Yeah. Well, it's and it's kind of like with the parking lots where uh, you can't just make 
you know, half the spots be small because they're, you know, how, you know, you know, if you, if you actually happen to know that precisely half the people that are going to come to your place have compact cars, you can't just make half the spots be small and expect that the compact cars will all go into those. And, and therefore they'll always reserve the bigger spots for the, whoever drives a van or a big, you know, jacked up pickup truck. Because you know, well, you that can the, make the spots the that biggest size. spot in the lot will be filled up by that fuckhead in a BMW who doesn't want his car scratched and really doesn't give a shit about anyone else. I mean, I see that sometimes in parking garages where it's like compact car only and nobody pays attention nobody. to that. No, you, I mean, you'll see compact car only, but it's hard to read because of the big fucking Dodge Ram parked on it. <laughs> yes. So it, it really, it doesn't work. And again, without, uh, some kind of sanity in the overall spaces being large enough. And I mean, I get it when you're looking to fill every last inch that it would make much more sense in a parking lot. If you had one row for compact cars, if you had maybe a half a row or something for the big, big pickups that you really need it for one for SUVs with varying sizes. But when you deal with people and that's the factor that always comes into any of these things, that's where uh, things start failing. And that's unfortunate, but there's there's nothing that is ever going to change that. And we hope you make it through TSA without getting arrested. I mean, now that everybody knows that's listening live in the troll room that Ryan Bemrose is flying out of Seattle this afternoon to Hawaii. I mean, it wouldn't be hard for somebody to really make your life miserable. So I don't even know why you would tell people these things. But these people are already doing that. And also stop <laughs> giving away true. all my secrets. One of the best bits. Do you remember the Sam Kinison bit about breaking up with somebody? And oh, it was just so. Yeah, people tell me that breaking up was going to be so hard that you know that she was crazy and she was gonna, you know, she was gonna go nuts. But no, she was great. I said, you know, baby. And then there was we had this tearful goodbye. You know, then I got to the airport and I'm going through the metal detectors, and all of a sudden I hear, uh, he's got a gun. Ah, get your hands on the luggage. And I'm looking around like, hey, some asshole brought a gun, and I realized it was me. <laughs> Um, that's always what I think of when going through TSA. If you, if you piss somebody off recently, <laughs> you might have, that might've had access to your bags before you get to the airport. It, always check your bags carefully. And, and on that note, I think I need to stop podcasting and go help out the, uh, the sour faced individual who is currently packing my bags and is really stressed out about this. Trip. <laughs> well, see, there you go. She's packing your bags. You want to know what's in there. Yes. You don't want to. <laughs> Sir, why do you have a gun? No, I what? think I don't. But I think I have some making before, nice to do. That's going to have to happen. So uh, I think it's well, it's time to sign off of here. We do need we need we do need to before you make nice to Dame Bemrose. We do need to make nice to Radix for his contribution for this episode of Grumpy Old Ben's. We appreciate it. He he lowered his standards and well one by donating to Grumpy Old Ben's, but two. By using PayPal, something I know that he hates, and we are going to be adding a P.O. box very soon for people that want to send in things using the mail or, of course, purposes of anonymity and all that. And if we appreciate it, Radix, thank you. And if you want to contribute to the show, GrumpyOldBenz.com, click that little donate button. It's also the place you go to subscribe. Apple, Android, Stitcher, email, however you want to subscribe, you can do that. And we do. We wish you well. Ryan on your trip. Uh, I mean, Lisa, of course, we should be wishing her well because she's going to yeah, have she's going to need a live more than stream. I do. That is absolutely true. So wish her a good trip, even though she's with you. And we'll look forward to one talking to your brother, Tony, before your return and then to hearing 
about your trip and your response, of course, to the podcast that in everything yeah. Tony said. So it'll we, uh, be like point counterpoint. So let's let's go ahead and record the response before the show because I know it's going to be <laughs> he's wrong. It's like a like a Karnak thing. Okay, here's your what's the response? <laughs> my 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 response is he's wrong, and that'll be the quickest show we had ever done. So until. Next time, I am Darren O'Neill, coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of Middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I'm not getting on any metal flying tubes anytime soon. And from America's left cloak, English hard. You have been drugged already. <laughs> from America's left coast, where the appearance of security is job one, I'm Ryan Bemrose.